Well, it's great to be here tonight. It's great to be worshiping and honoring our Lord this evening. Kelly Blue Book is an assessment site for buying and selling automobiles. Have you ever used it? Who's heard of that? Yeah, good. Uh, As you determine the value of your car, uh, you need to choose between categories that describe the condition of your car. Now, excellent means running perfectly with no damage to the body of the car. Good means may need some servicing, has minor blemishes. Fair means some mechanical repairs. Uh, Body has some dents and scratches. Poor means you probably bought the car from Bob Powell. So you must assess your car accurately and choose the correct category to be honest with potential buyers. You might want your car to be an excellent, but as you read the categories, you go, yeah, it's probably in the fair to poor range. And uh, honestly, um, putting that in your advertisement. We're going to read from the account of the birth of Christ um, from the book of Matthew this evening. As we do... I want you to consider the responses that people had to the news of the coming of this baby, of this Savior. And then I want to make this personal uh, for each of us. As with the Kelly Blue Book site, I want each of us to accurately assess which category of response we belong in. So here we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I, too, may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which had been determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. And she refused to be comforted because they were no more. I'm going to point out and describe uh, three responses to the birth of Christ that we see in the passages that we have just read. 
Uh, first, first response is anger or opposition. And where do we see that in the passage? You can answer with, yeah, with King Herod, right? Okay. Um, Herod sought to kill the child who was a threat to the sovereignty of his own life. We see this today in those who say they don't believe in God, who don't want to admit to the existence of a being who has authority to rule over their lives. The second response that we see is apathy. As we go along, I'm going to point out uh, two main divisions in this category. The first is the religious person. We see this in verses 4 through 6. The chief priests and the scribes were intensely religious. They knew about the prophecies of the Messiah, but amazingly enough, they did not take the time to go the short distance down to Bethlehem to see if this was true. Secondly, there is the secular person. He sees no need for faith or God in his life. He says, I'm a good person, and if there is a God, he knows that, and he'll accept me. I'm fine just as I am. So, uh, the first response we see is anger. Second response we see is apathy. And the third response we see is adoration. And we see that from the Magi, or the wise men. They heard about the child. They went out to search for him. And when they found him, they worshipped him. Let's look at what the scriptures say about each of these passages and consider honestly which of them best describes your life and belief. As we said, some of us, like King Herod, respond to the Son of God coming into our world with anger, with opposition, refusal to accept his rule in our lives. In Psalm 10, we read a straightforward account concerning this type of person. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire, and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. The wicked, in the haughtiness of his countenance, does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. He says to himself, I will not be moved. Throughout all generations, I will not be in adversity. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. God, won't. God doesn't see what I do. This person, like King Herod, scoffs at the thought of God, pursues a sinful and disobedient lifestyle, and thinks there will be no consequences for his actions. But there are consequences. In Psalm 2, we read this. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their feathers apart, fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. They're just saying, we're not going to be, we're not going to be ruled by anyone. We're not going to be ruled by God. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment, the author says. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. God gives a clear warning against rebellion and unbelief here, but amazingly offers gracious forgiveness to those who will turn to his son. Perhaps this describes you here tonight. You may think, yeah, I'm not going to let anybody rule my life. And it does anger me that someone would say I'm a sinner and have to submit myself to some God. Well, I do appreciate the sentiment, 
but it would be very unloving of me to know that danger and destruction lie ahead of you and not warn you. If a woman's doctor found that she had cancer and said, it's such terrible news and it would be such a disappointment for her, I'm not going to tell her and lets her die, that would not be a loving act on his part. The author of Hebrews echoes the warnings of Scripture and the plea for repentance for those who would callously reject God's offer of salvation when he says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they, the Israelites, provoked me. I said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And the author says, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Revelation chapter 20 shows the terrible end result of disregarding God's gracious offer. Then I saw a great white throne and him who, who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. These are not words to be taken lightly. The second group, both religious and secular, is characterized by apathy, a sort of lukewarm response in which they may have convinced themselves that they are right before God, but they don't seek after God. They don't reject the sinful influences of the world or pursue holiness of life through reading and applying God's word in the Bible. This was my personal story before conversion. I had a religious and moral facade, but an unchanged heart on the inside. I had no real love for the Lord or desire to walk in his ways or please him. The chief priests and scribes were very religious and knew much, but they desired power and prestige in this world and opposed God's work through his son, Jesus, throughout his life, ultimately taking part in his death. These were religious people that did this. Matthew chapter 7 shows us the astonished response of some very religious people who thought their religious works would endear them to God. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. A passage from Luke is equally instructive. Someone said to Jesus, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves being thrown out. These are serious warnings that our lives and devotion to God must match our profession of being Christians. I've heard people say, 
I'm a Christian. I'm just not one of those born-agains. You ever heard that? I suppose there's a way of saying, I'm claiming enough of God to hopefully get into heaven, but I'm not going to be weird and go all fanatical about this stuff. That's an interesting position in, um, in light of John chapter 3, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. I'm not sure I want to tell God that I'm not one of those born-agains. Let's be very careful of having an easy believism that thinks we can live with one foot in God's presence and the other foot in the world. God requires us to love him with heart, soul, mind, and strength, or we have no part in him at all. Could this be you tonight? This is a very difficult area for people to see in themselves and to admit to. It is. We want to trust that what we believe is correct and will bring us to God or heaven. Here's some questions to ask yourself to discern if you could possibly be be deceived like the people in the scripture passages who called out to God and he said, I never knew you. Uh, First, am I uncomfortable with people talking to me about spiritual things, especially my spiritual life? By the way, I love that topic. It's my favorite topic, talking about God and and what he has done for us. Uh, Secondly, is my faith and church attendance separate from the other areas of my life? where it really has no impact. Once you leave the church, does your way of life change? Or to put that in a positive way, does my faith cause me to pursue holiness in all areas of my life? A third question, would I want to know if what I believe is incorrect so I could investigate and learn the truth? Or am I just comfortable with what I believe and don't want to consider that I could be mistaken? And finally, just this simple question, Do I love Jesus and want to please and obey him? Now, you may be the secular unbeliever we mentioned who says you are a good person and will have no no problem with God if he turns out to exist. The problem here is when you state you are a good person, you're comparing yourself to other human beings. But this is not God's standard. God's standard is his perfect holiness. In fact, when Jesus was telling his disciples about the righteousness required to get into heaven, he said, okay, here you go. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. By God's standard, the Bible declares there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. But what about the good works that I do? Uh, Don't those count? Paul tells us in Galatians 3, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the law to perform them. What he's saying here is, if you're going to use the good person card and say, I'm going to get into heaven because I'm a good person, um, Paul says you're under a curse because if you mess up once, then you've lost it all, okay? Because heaven is a perfect place and God is a perfect being. 
If you think of yourself as a good person, know that God in the Bible say differently. And I hope this doesn't surprise you, but what you or I think will not be the standard on the day of judgment. Now, the third response to the birth of Christ is one of adoration and worship. We see this from the Magi in the passage we read from in Matthew, as well as from the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, who sought out Jesus and glorified and praised God for his great gift of salvation. Those who respond in this way understand the fallenness of their nature and the sinfulness of their lives. You see, Christians aren't perfect. They understand what the problem is. They adore Jesus because they understand they were lost in their sins. And he came to save them. Jesus describes them in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be righteous. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. The desire of these people's lives is seen in Psalm 27. One thing I have asked from the Lord, and that that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. And from Psalm 119, how blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. Does this describe how you feel? Or how about this? Paul says, when describing the Christian life, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Can you truly describe your life in this way? This is the person you should be. This is what God wants you to be. So what category do you find yourself in tonight? Have you responded in an oppositional manner to God's sending of his son? Or perhaps you've been religious, counting on your faithfulness and obedience to your church to get you into heaven. Or maybe you've always thought you were a good, basically good, and your good deeds would outweigh your bad ones, and that God is going to grade on the curve. The Bible passages we have read give no hope of heaven for any of these categories. The coming of this child into the world forces every person into a decision. You must respond to him. The gospel message presents some difficult facts. All men are sinners. You and I have broken God's law. Okay? We are guilty before him. God is a holy being who cannot dwell with sin. And he is a perfectly just judge who must punish sin. This is an insurmountable problem for each of us. Keeping us out of heaven. This is terrible news for us. But the word gospel means good news. And here it is. God in his great love for us sent his son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. He lived a perfect life and then offered himself on the cross as a substitute for us taking the wrath of God meant for us upon himself. Taking the penalty of our sins. He conquered death by rising from the dead and now God offers us eternal life if we repent of our sins and believe in his son. What an exchange. He takes our sin and we receive his righteousness. 
I present to you tonight what the Bible presents to you. A decision. A decision that impacts and determines your eternal condition. God offers you an escape from the penalty of your sins. And to do nothing is to make a decision. You accept the gift and receive a full pardon and eternal life. Or you leave the gift on the table and regret the loss for eternity. I plead with you to receive him today as tomorrow is not guaranteed to any of us. Consider the eternal joy that our merciful God offers you. Here's how the story ends for those who turn from their sins and receive God's gracious gift. You know, if you just, you can close your eyes and listen to this if you want, but just imagine yourself here, hearing these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. There is hope for each one of us. God responds to the brokenhearted. If you've never taken the step of surrender to God, don't leave without talking to someone tonight. We would be glad to come alongside you in this. Let's pray. Our glorious God, you have done a wonderful thing in sending your perfect son to redeem a people such as we are, a sinful people, those who have rebelled against you, Lord, those who have turned against your law. And Lord, we often feel in ourselves that we're good enough and that we're good people as we compare ourselves to others. But Lord, when we see you in your glory as Isaiah did in chapter 6 and he just fell to his knees and he said, Whoa, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. Lord, let us see you as you are in your holiness. And God, what a great gift you offer us in your son. And we are so grateful for it. The chance to be forgiven of our sins and to live forever in heaven with you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this gift. And we pray Lord, that we might respond to you in a way that is appropriate for who you are. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.